Welcome to the WeGo Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads with unique careers and the roads they travel to get there. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Max Russo, class of 2020. Today, we talk to Edith Cooper, formerly Edith Robles, class of 2010, a mental health therapist. Edith will tell us how her key club and community leadership class at WeGo launched her career path towards mental health counseling. Joining us today is Edith Cooper, formerly Edith Robles, when she was with us at WeGo from the class of 2010. Edith, what do you do? So I am a mental health therapist and I provide individual and family therapy. Um, Currently, I work in Colorado Springs, and we are contracted with the Department of Human Services, which is um, basically Child Protective Services. And so um, I'm working with, um, I basically work with kids between the ages of eight, and then um, I work with adults too. So where did you find, so how did you then begin the process or the path of going towards this line of work? Um, so early, I I think early in just my life, I really had a heart for serving people, helping people, just, um, wanting to help make the world a better place and families. And, um, I think that that passion just started really early on in my life and that, um, continued. And so, um, in high school, I was actually, I think, it, I don't remember the class. It was, I don't know if she's still a teacher, but I think it was Miss Denise. Um, it was like a class where you could, uh, it was really focused on community service. And then I was also um, <clears throat> part of Key Club with Mr. Rao. And so there was just some opportunities there where um, I was, you know, just trying to to figure out what I wanted to do. And I really enjoyed helping people. So then I was like, well, social work seems like a field that I could have a career in where I am, you know, I'm living out my passion, but still making some money. So where did you go to school? I went to Greenville College, which is in Greenville, Illinois. Um, Now they renamed it and it's Greenville University. And I went there right after high school. And what did you, what was, what was some of the classwork like for you when you went there? Can you, sorry, can you repeat that again? <laughs> no, no problem. What was, uh, what was like some of the classes that you took while you were there that uh, prepared you for, uh, for the career? Um, so a lot of foundational classes of um, social work um, that were mostly about I would say just how systems work in social work. Um, so just, um, you know, government services, um, learning about um, just all the ways that families are currently being helped um, in the U.S. And so I really didn't know that I wanted to be a therapist in college. It really wasn't until um, my senior year that I, 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 I just felt like, I wanted to, I don't know, I wanted to help families more than just with kind of meeting their basic needs and wanted to really help with their mental health. 
So what's one of the first steps that you take when you meet a family or an individual for the first time, especially as you did it in your undergrad work? What was the what was like the first uh, kind of move forward in your uh, undergrad to like then start actually Mm. working with people? Yeah, so I well, one of my first practicums while I was in, I think it was my senior year, um, I actually worked at a like pregnancy support center. Um, And so that was for women in the county who um, needed um, diapers. Um, Everything was donation based. So we would um, just kind of connect with some moms in the in the county and um, just kind of refer them to any places that they needed additional support from. Um, So that was like my first practicum and then um, trying to think what I did after that. Um, Oh, I did a semester abroad um, in the Dominican Republic my junior year. So actually that was my first practicum. So what it was, how long were you in the Dominican Republic? I was there for four months. So the fall semester and I worked with an agency called Students International, and I was um, working along um, one of the workers who had a program for microfinancing. And so we helped provide education on, um, you know, saving money, you know, just making um, just good choices with money. And just some of them had small businesses. And so just kind of helping, helping them manage that. Um, and I really, really loved that because in the Dominican, they always drink um, cafecito. So anytime you went to someone's house to go have a meeting with them about their business or finances, you know, they always welcomed you with like coffee and food and really just kind of got to know them more and um, at the same time helping them with their business. So that was really, really cool. I really loved that. And I love the Dominican um the Spanish is a lot different from the Spanish that I speak, it, but it was fun. That was a good time. So there, there's two interesting things that you, you said there. One is uh, the microfinancing. Um, how did you see that kind of uh, play out? Like, how, how did you see microfinancing, microfinancing be so impactful uh, in, in the Dominican? Because um, sadly, a lot of them were taking out, you know, you know, small business loans and with high interest rates. And um, there was just this cycle of poverty occurring through um, the generations of family. And so um, there wasn't really any other support outside of the program that we had in the community for people to learn um, how to manage their money differently and how to make different choices. So um, that, as far as I know, that program is still up and running. Um, the guy that I was working with is still there, and um, I'm just happy that they're doing some important work. And so, need my second follow up question is: How does uh, what, what do you remember as being some of the differences in the Dominican Spanish versus the Spanish that you that you know? It's just so fast. It's so like words just blend in, like the words just blend in and I'm like, I'm like, hold on, just slow down a little bit. Like I can understand a majority of it, but there's some stuff that, and I worked and I lived with a host family. Um, and that was really awesome. Um, 
the reason I went with, well, so in, what ended up happening is that I also got, um, I was a double major in Spanish. So that was part of the requirement that you had to, you know, go to do a semester abroad in a Spanish speaking country. And my sister had gone to the Dominican um, when she was in, in college. And so I wanted to check it out. And so, yeah, I got to, I was, um, the Spanish there was just different. And a lot of people were like, well, why would you want to like, you already know Spanish. I'm like, it's still different though. It's a whole, you know, not all Spanish speaking countries are the same. It's, um, so you, you, so when you graduate from Greenville, correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, what did you do after that? I had the summer off and I worked as a waitress at the Cheesecake Factory and I worked a bunch saving money because um, I was going to be starting. I started graduate school in August. So I just had that summer um, where I was basically working and just kind of trying to financially prepare for starting graduate school. And then I started in August of 2014 um, and then went to school full time um, and I graduated in August of 2016. Uh, so what was the uh, the graduate degree in then? And I, got, I went to St. Louis University and I got my my I got my master's in social work. So so you how was the then um, the practicum the practicum or, or the curriculum maybe different in mm -hmm. how you then began to then apply it to actually working with people at the graduate mm -hmm. level. Yeah, so in graduate school, I believe it was a total of 900 practicum hours and the first 300 were like your foundational. Um, so that you only, I think I only did three months. Um, I think, I can't remember. Um, but I did that my first foundational practicum at a community health clinic in St. Louis that primarily served um, immigrants and refugees um, and also underinsured or uninsured patients. So there I was a, um, I believe it was a service coordinator. I can't remember the title, um, but basically I helped with referrals that were coming in for patients who um, had appointments with the doctors at the clinic or if they had like a medical bill and didn't have the finances to pay for it, just helping them apply for assistance in that. Um, and then after that practicum, I did my clinical practicum, which was working at a nonprofit um, that serves youth um, between the ages of, I think, like three to, three to 20 um, and so the program that I was working with, um, we provided like a mental health based curriculum um, to youth who are staying in the residential treatment facility. Um, one of my favorite parts of that practicum was actually going to the youth, uh, the juvenile detention center in St. Louis County. Um, and I absolutely, that was my favorite part. Um, it was the one that I was most nervous about because I didn't know what to expect. Um, but that was definitely just awesome to get to know the youth that were there and um, 
Yeah, so that that was that practicum experience. What was it that was so special about the that experience at the juvenile detention center? Like, what was it that kind of gave you um, uh, the type of um, um, sense of accomplishment that you're you're describing here? Um, I think it was just that I I got to know, uh, and sadly, a lot of them were. Um, black youth, um, boys, and there was a, a, a unit for girls, um, but that unit was a lot smaller. And so um, just getting to know them beyond from what you see, um, which is just, yeah, just there's, they're funny. Um, they're so smart and so creative. Um, so many of them had just goals and dreams. And so I, I, you know, just encourage them to seek that, you know. Um, so it was just, it was just really cool to, to get to know them um, on a deeper level. I would imagine that, you know, you're, you, uh, some, a lot of people don't have jobs where they come up against such sadness and tough luck stories and, uh, and all of the things that, um, that you that you see with your eyes every day. How do you how do you maintain a type of emotional firewall between what you see in other people's lives and then and and stay relatively upbeat and mm-hmm. and, and, and healthy for your mm-hmm. for your own self? Um, I still I think I I'm still figuring that out every <laughs> every time um, that I come across clients. I think I've I've gotten a lot better at it. Um, I don't really know if I know exactly what it is that I do, but I do remind myself that I am no one's savior and that what happens in their life isn't, I'm not a hundred percent responsible for that. Um, and you know, my clients are super resilient. They, um, they face a lot of stuff and they find a way to keep going. And so I think that's just, I just try to find peace in that, um, yeah, that I, I'm not a hundred percent a hundred percent responsible I know, but I just, I, I find that to be just so incredibly resilient, um, yeah. to be able to do that because it's, it, it can't be easy. So, yeah. so you then, um, so you then moved, uh, recently to, uh, Colorado Springs. Uh, mm-hmm. what's the new job that you do out in Colorado? Um, so I provide individual and family therapy. Um, so a lot of the clients that are coming through have what's called an open, um, dependency and neglect case with DHS. And so that means that there's a caseworker who is assigned to their family, um, that the case was open for safety concerns. And so the department is, um, putting in services in place to help um, families be healthy and safe. And um, so a lot of the times I'm, I'm sorry, Brian, are you catching my dog? I, you know what? I think this is, uh, this is great. Uh, I would love to see a picture of your dog so I can include it in the uh, <laughs> notes so we can know who our, our co-guest is uh, in this as well. No, don't even worry about it. Okay. Um, so where was I? Uh, yeah, you were so, talking about uh, the your the um, the casework and the type of referrals that you get. Yeah, so um, 
We don't. So I work for the Family Center of Colorado Springs. So it is it. We you know we are not um, county employees. We're just contracted with the DHS, and so um, a lot of the kids that I work with are maybe temporarily in um, foster care. Um, they're they can't be with their parents, so. Um, working on just the trauma that they've experienced. Um, and then with the adults, I have some parents. And so just working with them on their own childhood trauma and, and how that affects their parenting. And the goal is always to um, reunify family members. So um, it's tough work for sure, um, but we have success stories and those make it all worth it. You know, I was, I was wondering if like, and this would be another kind of tough question, but like, is there, if there was a way to allocate or marshal policy resources to your particular career, um, what would be the most significant policy that would alleviate so much more of the kind of pain and suffering that you see that could come from government or um, community and, and all of that? Oh, yeah, that is super tough. I mean, yeah, I, I was just telling my husband yesterday that so many of our world's issues would not be an issue if we invested in in really actually helping people. Um, and, you know, just poverty um, leads to a lot of crime and just some really dangerous stuff. And so... I think, unfortunately, a lot of the families that I do see, there is um, a lot of uh, substance use. And so, yeah, just I think people need more mental health services. They need treatment um, so that they because so many of these parents and families have so much potential, um, but they don't have access to those services. And um, Medicaid, thankfully, when here in Colorado, when kids, I don't know how it is in other states, but um, if a kid is placed in um, foster care and they didn't have insurance, they do get covered through Medicaid. And so that allows for people like myself to provide mental health therapy. Yeah, it's you had mentioned that expression, the cycle of poverty before, and it's like, and it seems like I, th- I don't know why I put words in your mouth, but like the, in the, in the chicken or egg metaphor, it seems like you're saying if, if poverty could be in some, in some ways uh, confronted a little bit more, all mm-hmm. of the other um, substance abuse, mental health seems mm-hmm. to maybe kind of diminish. Mm-hmm. Is that, does yeah. that be the right way of interpreting yeah. like how you would, you would use your said? Yep. Yep. That's, that's it. Um, so what, what is the typical day of work like for you? So you wake up and do you, um, do you go to an office or how mm-hmm. does, and obviously things are probably a little bit different mm-hmm. in, in, in a COVID era, but like, what would it typically be? Like you wake up, you go to an office or do you, yep. um, do you work from home and then go out to the different agencies? How does that mm-hmm. work? Yeah, we have our own, the family center has its own office. I have my own office. I trying to think, I think I work with like seven other therapists. Um, and yeah, that's different right now with COVID, but even right now I'm still going in two days a week and, um, yeah, typically I just go into my office. The nice thing is that my clients come to me. Um, previously I was working in 
um, school-based uh, mental health therapy. So I would go to schools and provide therapy within the school. Um, so there was a lot of just traveling between schools. And so it's really nice um, now that my clients just come to my office and I don't have to put all of my stuff in a tote and um, it just makes it a lot easier. And so our sessions are usually um, 45 minutes to an hour and it's different just depending on who the client is. You know, I have some younger ones, so we'll do some stuff with some toys and games and I got to be a little bit more creative to keep them engaged. But um, yeah, and so there with my job specifically, um, since I'm part of, I guess, the the team that is involved with the family. So there's a variety, just different number of professionals involved. Um, we have meetings about what, what progress is being made in that family's life and how, you know, if we're getting closer to them, um, meeting their goals. And um, there are, I've had to testify before, which was really scary, but um, it's important for families. Um, so that the court knows that, you know, they've done everything they need to do and they can close their case. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, I mean, therapy, there, there's a lot more to it, but um, a lot of that is just unpacking a lot of the traumatic experiences that they've had in their life. And also, um, which can be hard for some people because they, they're just focused on surviving and, just don't really have much capacity to really unpack some of the stuff that has impacted them. Yeah. You know, because, you know, I have, you hear, you know, so many people now are, um, are feeling a type of anxiety and, you know, whether or not it's just because they have been away from other people and all the various different stressors, um, that have occurred in this this past year. What are some of the ways in which you would advise maybe people to kind of take, uh, the, the, as you said, like the unpacking of your own emotions? What have been some of like the better kind of tools that people can use to 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 kind of process that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always tell people just to be curious about their emotions and the thoughts that they're having. I think a lot of the times when we feel something uncomfortable, we're so quick to just shut it down or to distract ourselves from it, um, which actually produces more anxiety. Um, So I think just kind of like, what is this emotion trying to communicate to me? What is it that I need to shift this emotion into something more comfortable? Um, And just being, just starting with awareness of okay, I'm noticing this thought that I'm having. I'm not trying to change it. I'm not trying to, um, you know, yeah, judge it. I'm just noticing that it's a thought and it comes and it goes. Yeah, that's great. Now, on a lighter note, um, what's it like uh, living in Colorado? Oh, I love it so much. Um, We, so my husband snowboards and so... um, when him and I started dating, skiing was like the easiest thing to pick up. Um, and so I actually picked up skiing. So I'm still a beginner at that. So now I'm actually trying to pick up snowboarding. Um, so we have a season pass to go to one of the to Keystone Ski Resort, um, which is about two hours from Colorado Springs. Um, 
So we love doing that in the winter. Um, we enjoy fishing. I mean, there's just so, the nature is obviously beautiful and there's just so many options of things to do outside. It's always like sunny. <laughs> so even in the winter when it's cold, at least I have the sunshine and um, it's, uh-huh. you know, we don't get a lot of that. I think we went like a week and a half just recently with literally no sunshine at all. It was just bleak, bleak. It was like a, a doormat was over the sun for a week and a half. So it's so great that you have that you have access to uh, Colorado is just so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a former student who um, who also lives not far from you, I think, in Colorado Springs. Uh, and he posts the most gorgeous um photos of his hikes uh on instagram it's just uh you're so lucky it's just that's great so um at the end of uh the interviews i usually like to ask um uh our former grads about any tips for success for current wego uh students uh what would you say to them oh um well i think just me being my therapist self i i think I've worked with youth who moving forward academically was really hard because of trauma um, or just, you know, even just having issues with like generalized anxiety. Um, I would, I don't, I would love for students to have more access to mental health therapy, um, especially when you're trying to finish up high school and take off there's that, that can be, really anxiety provoking and not having, um, you know, someone to talk to about like, what do I do? Like all of those kind of questions and worries is hard. So um, I hope that students can, you know, find someone in their life, whether it's a teacher they trust or um, someone who has gone off to college to just really use those people as a resource. Um, Cause it's, it's, it's scary to leave, you know, high school and to, pursue and maybe you don't know what you want to do and so just tapping into some of the people in their lives I think is really important. Edith that was so great thank you so much for your time today and uh, best of luck and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of the winter. Thank you you too. Thanks for listening. If you want to find past episodes, go to Apple Music, Podcasts, and search We Go Vox.